So if you were spending $1,200 a month on life insurance and I flipped it, whereas let's call it, let's just use say 50, 50. Mm-hmm. So $600 every year goes directly into your cash value and 600 is your cost. But your MEC limit could be something, let's use again, round number. Let's say your MEC limit is $10,000. Mm-hmm. So you have an additional $8,800 you could throw directly into your cash value and utilize it, getting the, the 6% dividend and, and interest, but you could access the money right away. So that's why we call it either infinite banking or building your own bank. Welcome back to It Starts Now, the happy hour of finance and business. My name is Stanley. And once again, we have an amazing guest, a return guest, somebody that we had a great time and got a lot of information from. And a lot of us have questions, especially pertaining to what's going on in the market today and how can we bounce back from a lot of the losses that we took. (laughs) And he's the perfect guy to talk about it. Please welcome back our alumni special guest. Robert Fortune. Robert. Thank you so much. What's going on, brother? I'm trying to stay alive. Hey, man. We all trying to uh, stay afloat. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because there's a lot of things that's going on, um, and we touched on it a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. But um, before we get started, uh, please let people know, once again, your name, background, and what is it that you got going on right now? All right. So I'm Robert Fortune owner and founder of Fortune Advisory Services. It's a financial platform that was built solely first off foremost for financial literacy. Um, From the time that I've been working in finance, I've been in finance for 16 years, I realized that particular people are not given particular sets of information. Right. And I was only privy to information because I just took a chance and started working at a bank one day. But everybody doesn't go that same route. Right. When I started getting information, I was like, oh, I need to provide this. But I realized that they don't want me to provide it. So I had to step on and do it on my own. Right. So that's why I created a platform. I tried to teach you about what assets are, what liabilities are, right. how you save money, how you budget, what's investments, what's the best thing to invest in, what's life insurance, what's disability. Just anything that involves money, I teach you to understand it. And then we talk about what the products or the plan is going to be. Right. But if you don't ever, if you don't understand it, if you don't understand what's happening or how it can develop something for you, then you're missing that piece and then you get caught up in the traps that they have set out there for you. Let's um dive in real quickly. Um one of the things that I wanted to know personally, why is it important that you feel we need to have a financial planner and a financial advisor especially during this time? Like what what's the importance of it? So let's just take the last two years. Mm. Everybody was sitting at home trying to figure out what's the next thing to do, Mm. how the world is going to change. So they started getting an understanding of, you know, through social media, through other avenues that I need to have a better handle on my money. I need to grow my money. Mm -hmm. I need another set of income. I need another revenue stream. Correct. I need a side hustle, Mm -hmm. whatever. 
but they didn't really understand how to do it, mm-hmm. right? They got they got hit with a lot of information, say on Instagram, thirty second reels, TikTok, Facebook, all mm-hmm. this stuff just bombarding you with, right, like, oh, right. go do this, go go buy a house, and a lot of open that up a Robin Hood. It's not well, it's not incorrect, <clears throat> but it's not detailed. It's partial. It's partial. Like, right. how can I tell you how to create a financial plan in thirty seconds? And I'm a financial plan. I couldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't even do it in thirty minutes. Right, right, right. right. So with all of that, now the trap is set. Where it's like, okay, I'm I'm making money either through pandemic unemployment, mm-hmm. I'm not paying rent, mm-hmm. um, I got a PPP loan, mm-hmm. whatever stimulus money, what am I gonna do with it? Right. Oh, I heard I should open up Robinhood. So you open one up, but Robinhood is not an advisor; they're not gonna provide you any information. Right. So you're guessing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should go buy a property, but you have no history, and maybe your family doesn't even have history of owning property. Right. So now you get caught. You don't understand the mortgage process. Mm -hmm. You don't understand the lending process. You don't understand your credit. So the reason why you need somebody like me is I can give you all those avenues to understand how to better position yourself to win in any of those scenarios that I talked about previously. Right. Right. So when you're set up an investment, you need to know what your investment style is, what's your tolerance, right? what kind of company you should be looking for first off before you really jump out the boat and take chances on on companies that you don't know about, like, so take Neo was a company was an electric car company, right? So people was like, oh, Tesla makes money, so Neo's definitely gonna make money, right? You know, you're yeah. down probably like eighty percent on that trade, mm-hmm. right? Even depending on when you bought Tesla, right. you're down money on that trade, right? So you need somebody to tell you, okay, this is what you need to look off for first, mm-hmm. but you also need to have somebody that can understand what's your personal economy. How much money do I have now that I can allocate to these things? Right. Whereas I can still feed myself, take care of my children, pay my bills, mm-hmm. but still develop money for the future. So take it like, take a financial plan like you take a doctor. If you got sick or you're worried about getting sick, you wouldn't go on WebMD. No. Right? <laughs> You'd go to your... Actual primary doctor. Your primary care doctor, mm-hmm. or you would try to find one if you didn't have one. Right. Right? Oh, I'm worried about cancer. I'm worried about ALS. My mm-hmm. family has a problem with diabetes mm-hmm. how do i combat it could you find some information about that on google sure is it going to be the best or can you decipher which is right because you're going to get a lot of sides a lot of opinions on oh if you have diabetes you should just stop eating sugar in general or you should have less carbs right or you should exercise 10 times a week it's like but they those three things don't even correlate with each other mm-hmm. so how do i know which one is correct so you go to a doctor and be like oh i heard this i heard that mm-hmm. what do you think Right. What's your medical opinion? What's your, your expert, expert opinion? Right. Oh, you know, it's right. You should limit your sugar and you should probably work out three times a week. Right. Oh, okay. So now I have a plan that I can go and do. Mm-hmm. So that's me. Right. You make $3,000 a month. Your bills are $1,500 a month. You try to save X amount of dollars, but where can I put it? Okay. Here's this investment plan. Oh, you have children. Here's this life insurance plan. Oh, you're worried about getting hurt at work? Here's a disability plan. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of things that I do, and that's why you get someone like me. That's important. Just wanted to take a time out real quickly uh, to let people know that this episode is being sponsored by Black Mama Vodka. Uh, they have a product out right now called the Juneteenth, the Juneteenth Tea. <laughs> it's actually pretty smooth. Um, I tried it, um, and I hope you get an opportunity to try it okay. as well. We're going to have it on the drink on the show. Um, but just wanted to let people know this episode, once again, is sponsored by 
Black Mama Vodka. I know Vanessa's gonna, <laughs> she's very a stickler when it comes to, hey, you gotta put it out there. Listen, you gotta make the money. You gotta make the money, you gotta make the brand. Speaking of brands, let's go back to the importance of um, being a financial <clears throat> advisor and why is it important to have someone like that on your team to make sure that you know your finances is correct. 2020, a lot of people invested, saw a lot of, some. there, there was a, a lot of profit that was made, uh, a lot of good investments, but mm -hmm. then there was a lot of bad investments. I yeah. had people that lost $40,000. Yeah. had some people that lost, you know, 50, 60. Mm -hmm. The amount varies between households, right? Yeah, of course. Um, there were people that invested in Bitcoin, mm -hmm. right? And then they saw like a, a drastic drip, a dip. So my thing is uh, for you, when it comes to having some kind of intelligence or strategy behind being a financial planner, what do you say to those that wanted to bounce back? Like what's a good investment strategy or thought process that you may um, be able to share to let people know, hey, listen, you probably lost this much from the stock market. Mm -hmm. Do you bail out? Do you stay, stay with it? Do you, you know, allocate it to another fund? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what is your expert opinion? So for me, like one of my favorite phrases is it depends. Okay. <laughs> so it, so it depends because what were you investing in previously? Okay. And then I always ask people, why did you invest in it? All right, let's take Bitcoin. Okay. So most likely if you invested in Bitcoin, mm -hmm. you got caught up in the hype, right? So they're telling you Bitcoin is going to become the world's number one currency. It's going to, it's decentralized. So you're going to get rid of banks and all that. Right. I'm not here to argue that true or false. Right. From my experience, what I'm going to tell you is that's probably never going to happen. <laughs> because like some of the most powerful companies in the world, not just America, mm -hmm. are banks. And then currencies are run by governments. So, like, I don't really need to say nothing about that, right? So if you got into it because of hype, then you have to just say to yourself, I made that mistake. I'm going to learn from it. Mm -hmm. If you still, if you were the person who does believe in that and you're looking 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years down the line. Decades. That it's going, that eventually it's going to be there. And mm -hmm. you truly believe that. Then I'll tell you, stay in that investment. Because a downturn doesn't necessarily mean the investment is wrong. It just means that's what's happening in the economy right now. At this point. At this point. Bitcoin running up to 60000 might not mean that it's worth 60000 It means that that's just the hype. And that happens with regular stocks too, right? Tesla ran up to, it was over, it was like $1,200. Mm -hmm. Right now it's not trading that, mm -hmm. right? So it's not to say that the trade was wrong. It's why are you investing in it? Right. Did you just buy it because you heard someone else say it? Or you're like, no, I really believe in decentralization. I remember, I, I believe in governments getting rid of currencies and using digital coins and things of that nature. Then right. I'll tell you, okay, cool. Then you should stay in that. Right. If you don't have a a a tie to it, then I'd say you probably should get out of it and let's find something else that you have a connection to that you can now invest in. Right, right. So I always tell people a story about me. So when I first started investing, one of the, the two first stocks that I bought was Nike. And JP Morgan. Mm -hmm. So I was working at Chase at the time, and I figured, oh, I should own the stock because I know if if anything happens at the bank, I'm probably going to be one of the first people who know. 
And then I'm a huge sneakerhead. Mm -hmm. So I got a sneak collection. I knew everything that Nike was doing. Right, right. I knew right. the athletes they were signing. Yeah. I knew the technology. Yeah. I know everything. I knew Flyknit before people knew what Flyknit was, right? So I was like, okay. So, and I see that company being the leading sneaker brand right. 30, 40, 50 years on my life. So I bought now, them. Why did you get into Nike? Why? Because you were passionate because you played sports or you just was into the sneakers like why the nike brand so i'm an 80s baby okay so nike was the brand like, the brand like and i'm a huge basketball fan right so i'm a bulls fan so the top athletes alone were just nike branded athletes right so if you like Shaq, if no excuse me if you liked jordan or you like penny mm -hmm. gary Payton, just anybody charles barkley at the time they wore nike right Nike was the brand for USA basketball. Right. They just, they was just always around. Yeah. Okay. So in my neighborhood, if you wouldn't have Nikes, you didn't, you, you wasn't, you wasn't it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. you had to have the Jordans. You had to, and I got into sneakers late because I'm, I'm of Haitian descent. And if you know anything about Haitians, they're not buying your kids. No. hundred dollar sneakers no, no. at that point. No, and no, now no. they're like $200. Yeah. So it's definitely not happening. <laughs> right. So that's really why. So because I was always paying attention to what Nike was doing, I understood. And I was a consumer of theirs. Right. I'm like a brand ambassador of theirs. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, if they're making money from me, I got to make money from them. So on just the Nike trade alone, I'm probably up from the time when I first bought it to now, I'm up like 2,500%. 2,500. Yeah. So... That's because I had a tie to it, but between that time, right, it was ups and downs. Like, so you weren't you weren't worried about the action no. that was in between because I bought it because I know that it's going to be around thirty or forty years from now. Right, I'm not trying to use the market as a get rich quick scheme. You always hear people talk about stock market and say, "Oh, it's a gamble," and I go, "No, a gamble is you going to Vegas is rolling dice, right. That's gambling." Right. The stock market is is it once you educate yourself. It's no longer a gamble. It's just a risk that you would take in anything. Like stepping outside your house, you have a risk of getting hit by a car. Correct. Do you not leave your house? Oh, you still got to go still out. You still go outside. Mm -hmm. If you're driving, mm -hmm. you have a risk of crashing somebody or your car breaking down. Mm -hmm. If you're on the bus, right, you're at risk of some crazy person coming on and stabbing you. These are all risks in life. Right, right, right. But you still do those things. And you have to look at the stock market the same way. Once you understand the risk, mm -hmm. then the fear is gone. The fear is gone, yeah. Right? What's fear? That it's emotion. The lack of understanding. Yeah. If you take just racial um, situations, mm -hmm. the reason why we are feared is because they don't understand us and they're not even trying to understand us. So that alone is just just shows you that once you understand something, the fear is gone, and now you can look at it from clear eye view. Yeah. 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 So what what would be your ideal scenario? Like you give me a scenario where you think would be an ideal risk or an ideal investment. Like if you had the money right now, well, I'm pretty sure you do, but, <laughs> but let's say you had a, a um, certain amount of money. What would you invest in right now? Yeah. Banks. Why? So, so after 2008 banks were doing crazy stuff because there was like no regulations on specific things okay so they were buying so so it was like uh so 2008 happened because there was a major mortgage situation happened it was a bubble mm -hmm. people were getting mortgages that didn't need to get mortgages the banks were just giving it to people right. there was like no income verification 
like you could come in and tell them you made a hundred thousand. They didn't ask you for no pay stub or nothing. Right, right. So I, I knew people in Florida that had three or four mortgages. Oh, but far. they made like thirty grand. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you told somebody you you made thirty grand, can you afford four homes? No, no, no. But they was trying to jump the gun and buy the properties to either rent them out or flip them. Right. But again, they didn't really understand the scenario mm. about what the economy is. So the government, I mean, so the banks were then doing mortgage-backed securities mm. where they were coupling mortgages together and then making money off it by selling them as funds. Right, right. So then the mortgage crisis happened, mad foreclosures, mortgage situation was downhill, right? Values of properties dropped. Right. So the banks were losing money. The government didn't regulate that they can't do that no more. And the government stepped in to save them. The one industry the government's always going to not let happen, go away, is is finances. So when I look at banks, you could take a look at um, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, um, Citibank. Mm -hmm. You could take a look at, even even in some instances, Wells Fargo. Back in 2008, Citibank was like 99 cents. I know. I bought stocks into it. Okay, good. So today it trades above $50. Not only that, um, at one point that I actually sold a lot of the shares because I didn't think nothing was going to happen. And that's what I learned because of that emotional aspect. Yeah. And then they came out with the bikes. Yeah. (laughs) All of a sudden, they just blew up. Right? And I said, oh, man. And, you know, I came away with... I came away with pockets, but I could have sure, had a lot more. But you more. could have had a lot more. Right. Looking at what it is today. Looking at it today. So to to your point, uh, for what you mentioned earlier, don't look at it from a short end, short term investment. Yeah. Look at things from a long term investment. Correct. Yeah. Whenever you long term invest, you invest in the right way. Yeah. Short term is there opportunities to do it? Yeah. But there's also problems with short term investing. There's capital gains tax. You run a larger risk. The shorter time frame you give something, the higher risk it is for you to lose money. Mm -hmm. The longer you give, the less chance you are. Because even if you have an up and down over that long course, when you look at from point A to point B, Mm -hmm. if you look at the start of the stock market to now, the slope is positive. It's Mm -hmm. always been positive. Mm -hmm. But if I tell you, look at the stock market from, you know, from last year to now, like you're down. Right, right. <laughs> right? So, right, 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 right. So it's 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 how you look at yeah. it. So that's just, what I would say. Just like Bitcoin. Bitcoin been outperforming in the last, over the years, year over year, it's been outperforming. Sure. But, you know, it takes dips, major <laughs> yeah. dips, right? The volatility is really... Check Bitcoin six months ago. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And, so. and, and it shows, right? But you have to do, you have to know... You have to do the research, and but you have to understand and learn. That way, you can know yeah. what what you're dealing with before you start investing. Hundred percent. Right? Yeah, but I'm glad you touch on if you know the scenario. If you had you know pocket full of change, where you would invest, you would invest in the banks. But the banks are actually now, from what I've been reading, doing research on, the banks are actually now purchasing properties. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what are your takes on that? <clears throat> Because we we both know property is like another uh, form of building wealth. Sure. Right. Um, it can be looked at a few ways. Some Somebody can tell you that they're doing it to limit certain communities from getting properties or having the ability to, to own properties, right? right. Because one of, the, one of the three major ways to create generational wealth along with investing in life insurance is real estate, right? That's why land was limited to certain people. After slavery, that's why they had red line. That's why they had gym. That's why they had a lot of things that they did. Mm-hmm. The other way you could look at it is saying to yourself, 
the demand for housing is so high that there's no way that the value doesn't increase. And banks don't really put their money into things that they don't make money back from. Mm. So I tell, so the reason, so one true reason why you should have financial literacy is that you can look at the world in a dollar view. You can understand everything as a dollar view. Why is that important? Because if you can look at everything from a dollar view, then you can understand what your dollar is worth to you when you're making that transaction. Mm -hmm. You talk about black mama vodka. Mm -hmm. From the minute I saw it, I'm thinking to myself, like, how much money does it make? What's the revenue generating? What's the brand structure? Right. I look at everything that way. And people sometimes tell me, like, that's crazy. Like, you can't look at everything a dollar. Sometimes you just have to live your life. And I go, no. The, when you try to just live your life, mm -hmm. you waste money. Right. You have to have a plan for everything. Everything. Every dollar you make, you spent time earning it. A lot of time. A lot of time, right? If they took, like, you, an hour of your time, some people's getting paid you know, now that uh, minimum wage is up, $15. $15 is not a lot of money. Mm -mm. What can I do in an hour of $15? $15. But the value of that hour, people don't put a dollar sign behind it. Yeah. So time is finite for you. Time right. is infinite in general. But for you personally, it's finite. Right. Like you have only a certain amount of time when it's years, which then means you only have a certain amount of time that you could work. Money is infinite. Mm -hmm. They print that shit like daily. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they just, like one of the major reasons we're in the financial crisis right now is because they just printed money. Yeah. Like they said, oh, we have a stimulus package, $3 trillion. Yeah. Where you got it from? <laughs> <laughs> they just, they went to, they just printed it. The right? crazy part is uh, somebody that we know, <laughs> we're saying, when I'm going to get my stimulus? When I'm going to get my stimulus? <laughs> and I used to be like, we're going to pay for this somehow. Yeah. Right, and from the back end, we're gonna pay for it. And I but was how excited concerned. were people when they got it? Oh, absolutely, twelve hundred dollars, thousand percent. And you see how I think about everything dollar wise. When they told me it was twelve hundred dollars, I said, "What is twelve hundred dollars gonna do? That yeah. don't even cover people's rent in New York." True. And they give it to you one time. True, but people look at it, and that's the thing about we when we look at free money. Yeah. Uh, we don't really realize it's not technically free. It's never free. But the fact that we are getting something tangible <clears throat> in our hands to utilize at that moment, it, 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 that emotional aspect is there to say, oh, I got something I feel great about. Yeah. So let me go uh, spend. Some people were wise, wise enough to say, Let's, let me invest yeah. that money, right? Because yeah. if I'm going to pay <clears throat> it back on the back end, at least let me make some money from it, right? And that was one of the major things I liked about the pandemic. People was at home and they took their time, at least the ability, and they took the effort to try to get financial literacy and start investing. Right. Some of them still made mistakes because they didn't understand what it was, but I like that they tried it because before our community wasn't even trying it. At all. So I'm not upset. And that's why I tell people, like, if you lost in that time, that's a lesson for you. Right, right. Build off that lesson. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I just jumped into it. I didn't really understand it. But now I'm going to take my time to really understand it. I'm going to work with Robert or I'm going to work with another advisor like mm -hmm. Robert, right? So that's that's that. But if people would just take the basic economics that they learned in high school, yeah. the basic economic course, understanding supply and demand and understanding economic cycles, right? then nothing that happened said it would fear you. No. Nothing would make you afraid. That's true. And I feel like people don't do that. Mm -hmm. They just... If you, if I tell you, I'm just going to front load $3 trillion into the economy, you have to understand that there's going to be a problem a year or two years down the line. Correct. Because that money has to leave the economy if you want to try to combat inflation. 
Oh, inflation, yeah. So inflation is a big thing now. Mm-hmm. Inflation is 9%. Why is it 9%? One, it was $3 trillion that the government gave people just randomly. Right. And they wasn't even really having any real basis to give people PPP loans. <laughs> like people, like some people was getting $2 million <laughs> and they didn't have a business and they owned like a Lamborghini and a Ferrari, <laughs> right? I, it wasn't controlled. It wasn't controlled. Right. But and they also didn't look down the line to say, okay, what's this going to do? They were just trying to, and this is my problem with politics right. all the time. They just try to appease you at that moment. And then they'll say, whatever happened down the line, the next administration can deal with it. Right. They're just trying to be liked. Like Biden is doing a lot of stuff to be liked because he's failing at the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the the position itself is a is a like you got to be liked or disliked position. Yeah, yeah, because um, whether you're trying to do good for this area, right? Um, another area is not going to be satisfied. Sure. So in order to, um, I guess, get by, sometimes they got to pacify us and say, hey. Listen, I'm doing this and I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But technically, what is it long term? What is the effect of it? They're not going to do the research because they're not going to be around that long. True. The next person got to deal with that. The next person, yeah. A lot of stuff Trump did, the next person got to deal with right. it. A lot of stuff Biden's doing right now, somebody else is doing. Bush, Clinton, yeah. Obama, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Whoever, whoever was the president, they do a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then they're like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and it is, but that's the scenario that we're in. That's the life that we're in. Right. So understanding basic economics yeah. will have you in this world looking like a genius because it's it's you live in an economic, mm-hmm. you live in an economy. Right, That's right. all it really is. So right. if you understand, damn, everybody wants to buy a house, then damn, that means, what does that mean? Demand is high. Supply is always going to, if demand is super high, supply is always going to be under that. Mm-hmm. Like there's never a point where demand and supply and demand are the same. Like it's never yeah. at a at an equal level. No. One of them is always hot higher by a lot than the other one. Yeah. So everybody wants to buy one. Everybody's rushing to take this fake money that's been imploded into the economy mm-hmm. and go buy it. Yeah. So if you own the house, perfect time for you to sell one. Right. If you had the ability to buy something distressed and renovate it, flip it, perfect time. But you had to be prepared to do it. You can't just go wake up one day, you only got ten thousand dollars to your name and say, Oh, I'm gonna go buy a house. Like you're gonna, like you're gonna fail right. because you got no plan. Right. You have no understanding about what could potentially go wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, you have to look at best case scenario and worst case scenario. Right, right. And the stock market intentionally makes me look at that regularly. Mm-hmm. I always look at best case, worst case, always right. for everything. Right. So now, in everything that I'm doing, when I go and spend my dollar that I gave my valuable time to get. I have to understand that. But also understand that since I gave this valuable time, that $1 yeah. has to work for me too. It has to work. So I got to put it somewhere where it can earn, earn for me. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Or put it into something that's going to earn for me later or develop something for me later. Right. And that could be real estate. It could be life insurance. It could be investments. It could be starting your own business. It could be investing in someone else's business. It's many things you can do. Right. But it's definitely not leaving at the bank. No, no, you can't. You can't have the money just sit in there, um, because eventually you're gonna tap into that money. Yeah, and then it's gonna be spent on something that's probably, you know, has yeah. no value or cannot bring yeah. any returns in. So whatever inflation is at that time, you have to make at minimum mm-hmm. that return on your money. Right, at minimum, because if you make less than what inflation is, all inflation really is is the increase of what costs 
of good soul is going to be. Yeah, and it never really goes back down. So we keep going. <laughs> when they, when they chasing, told me it was chasing. two, <laughs> it was like five. Yeah. It's, so it's, they're saying right now it's nine. It's probably like 15. Oh, come on. I tried to go. I went to BJ's the other day to buy eggs. Yeah. Same eggs I used to buy like. Three ninety nine. Yeah. It's ten ninety nine. Oh yeah, I saw something. That's not nine percent. <laughs> <laughs> so I can, do, I, can do, I can do basic math. That's not nine percent. <laughs> no, it's extremely high. Like we, um, even with deliveries, like I'm, a, I'm a advocate for Uber Eats and uh, mm-hmm. all these delivery, mm-hmm. not just Uber Eats, it's all these others. DoorDash. Uh, DoorDash and all that yeah. stuff because it's, it's convenient. I don't have to go out, drive around. I don't have to, you know, I just go online, search for whatever, whatever I want and get it delivered. But, but then your, when you look at... What's your cost for your convenience? It is a cost. It is a cost. Like the other day I did um, a Whole Food on um, the Amazon app mm-hmm. and, you know, I was able to shop. I mean, they had it delivered, but the cost of that is $10 for the delivery mm-hmm. and then tips on top of that. Yeah. So when you think about it, factor it in. But I kind of equate it to this, right? I'm still got to get up, drive. I'm, I'm paying for gas anyway. Sure. Right? So I equate that $10 as, okay, I got to get up and drive and I got to do all this getting out the car, picking it up, you know. So I try to rationalize it, which I know is a lie. Like No, but not necessarily. But when you think of it from that point, right? It's like I'm it's a give and take, mm-hmm. right? Because either one, I'm still gonna even if I go out to sit down at a place, right? I still gotta pay for the gratuity. I still mm-hmm. gotta pay for, you know, the gas to get there, sit down, the waiting. There's a lot of things that factor in. When you look at it from that standpoint, I could just do it on my phone, pay, deliver, but then I'm paying for a lot of fees. Mm-hmm. There's the delivery fee, there's the taxes, and then there's the tip on top of that. So I try to balance it off from here to there. And because I look at it like even when you go to the supermarket and you shop and then you yeah. come home to cook, that, yeah, that food, you, you say to yourself that food's going to last, but it's just as expensive as purchasing food outside, right? The only difference is you know what you're putting inside of the Correct. food, right? And you're consuming that. You you manage what goes into it. But as far as the pricing, and it, to me, it's about the same. And this inflation has made me open my eyes to say that, do I want to waste time? And, and this is no knock on anybody, but do I want to waste time in the kitchen for an hour or hour and a half? Do I just want to order something to be delivered while I go do something else? Mm-hmm. Right. That could I could put mm-hmm. a value behind that yeah. time. Right. Yeah. Not to say if you if that's a, something you love to do, that's completely yeah. different. Or that's more convenient for you, that's completely different. Yeah. But for me, it's like, okay, slaving in the kitchen for about not slaving, I shouldn't say that <laughs> word. <laughs> but you know, putting the time into the kitchen for about an hour to make something. Versus I can order it, have it delivered, and I eat while I'm putting an hour into something else that I'm yeah. doing. But that's a that's a mindset that you did. Like you sat down, you thought about it, you you kind of did the numbers in your head, rough draft, whatever. Right. But you kind of understand it. So that's you. Right. Right. And there's tons of people like you. For me, like I I enjoy going to the store. I enjoy getting my hands on it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy cooking it. I enjoy knowing what is going inside of it. Mm-hmm. And then goes inside my body. my body. Yeah. So the convenience of DoorDash or Uber Eats doesn't benefit me. Right. For me personally. Yeah. 
So what I do, I don't ever tell my clients to do it. I just try to figure out what is it that you're trying to do and then make it work within your money. A lot of people with convenience, they're not really rationalizing it. They're not trying to understand it. They're just going, oh, it's easier for me to do this. So <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a story. So my son was um, after school. <laughs> so he needed something to eat. Right, right. So he decided to go on Uber Eats or DoorDash, one of the two, right, and order food from the Popeyes. Right, right. The Popeyes from the school is literally less than five minute walk. Uh. Right. What he ordered, he ended up paying almost triple the cost of what he ordered to eat based on all the fees and stuff. Mm -hmm. So in that instance, it made zero sense. Uh, no. No, because one, you could have left school and went to go pick it up right. and then came back. It's not a big deal. They're not going to. But you thought because it's so convenient, I don't have to leave school. Yeah. But you pay triple. You got to rationalize it. Yeah. And I think people in general, even adults do that where they go, oh, I'm so tired. I went to work. Oh, you know. Yeah. Let me just order the food. And it's like, but see, that's cool. Yeah. But how much did you make at work that day? True. But here's the thing. You're coming home from work. Yeah. Right. My my thought process, and this is my, I'm coming home from work. I might as well pass and pick up something <laughs> on my way home. Sure. Then versus if me. You're going, if you're going to eat out. Yeah. It makes, it makes it, sense it to makes, buy it buy on your it way on your back way. home. There you go. And that's yeah. and that to me, I try to put things in perspective. Uh, not to say that, you know, I, I won't do it time to time. No. Right. But I try to put things in perspective. I, I narrowed the, down the amount of trips that I'm going to make. If it, if it's not necessary for me to go out, then sure. Yeah. But if I'm already out, I might as well take advantage of being out yeah. and then, you know, pick so, up and doing all So that. when I do budget planning for people, what I notice is the convenience is where all their money is going. The the Ubers, right. the Lyfts, the Uber Eats, the DoorDash, right. the so are the you other ones. The, so therefore, the small when I, consumption, the small consuming is what impacts. Yeah, because for people, their mindset is, oh, if it's five dollars here or six dollars here, it's not a lot. The whole Starbucks thing. There's people that go to Starbucks maybe three times a day, and if they work in twenty days in a month. You're probably spending over six thousand dollars a year just on coffee. Is, hope my wife's listening. I hope she. <laughs> I hope she doesn't get mad at me. <laughs> the reason I bring it up is because when you extrapolate the numbers out, when it, it becomes bigger number at some point. Yeah, if you think about each cup of coffee, oh, it's right. not a lot of money. Right. But if you talk about how much you spend a year, if you're going to spend over six thousand dollars, what would that do in an investment for you? If you just said to yourself. I'm going to invest $5 a day, five days a week. Right. As opposed to, and you could essentially have like, you could front load the money for a Keurig machine and get Starbucks pods and bring Starbucks from home. The cost is way less per cup if you did it that way. Right. And then say, and say even to yourself, I'm invested difference. So let's say you spend now $3,000 a year on coffee, but you're also investing $3,000 a year. Mm -hmm. That's a different mindset that's a different scape for you to say okay oh now i'm really doing something with my money right as opposed to just giving it away so every time i'm going through somebody's budget plan so what i tell people when i do budget plans with them is like you give me send me three months of your statements and i go through with a fine tooth comb and then i categorize everything for you mm -hmm. and then i show you okay this is where you're spending money right but before i do that i tell you 
tell me how you spend your money. Like I send them a spreadsheet, write it down. Tell me what you spend. And I don't say nothing. I just go, I send it to them, email, fill it out, send it back to me and then send me a statement. The dichotomy between the two is so stark that it makes me, it makes my job easier to get them into a budget plan because they don't really understand, because people don't really understand how they spend their money. No, we don't. They have no idea. No, we don't. Yeah. And it's, you, you hear the same thing all the time. Like, oh, I make so much, but I don't know where it goes. Yeah. Or I should have savings. And I go, okay, this is where it's going. Right. And it's not to say, aha, I got you. Like, let me show you how you're, how you're effing up. No. Huh. It's to be like, okay, this is how you're living your life now. This is how you thought you was living your life. And then this is what you want to do. So you bring awareness. And I bring awareness to it. Mm-hmm. So you can make the And I let you make the change. I don't tell you, you got to drink less coffee. No. I don't tell you, you got to sell your car. I let you make the decision. Because I tell you, unless you find these dollars right. to make this happen, mm-hmm. this will never happen for you. Owning a home, creating generational wealth, saving for your, co- your kid's college. So if you continue doing this, you'll never get that. And you'll, con- and you'll create the same stigma that was created for you. The same stigma that was created for your parents. Parents, yeah. So the the what we're so we have a thirst now for generational wealth, and to do it, we have to beat generational curses. That's that's amazing. Um, we talked about oh, you mentioned briefly about um, life insurance. Mm-hmm. Right, we talked about it before. We talked about it in the last one. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. We didn't have enough time. No, we didn't have enough time. But I, I think it's important to people to understand why life insurance could be an asset. Yeah. And how can you um, benefit financially through this asset? Yeah. Uh, you want to touch on that? Before then, let's... let's oh, you want to taste this first? Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's see what Vanessa did here. <laughs> your drink what's your drink of choice <laughs> and then we can touch back on that i don't want to i don't look ghetto right oh uh, well wait man if it's hennessy it's hennessy, it's hennessy. <laughs> <laughs> yes i love my people i've i've been a hennessy drinker mm. i'm a brown liquor guy yeah yeah so but this 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 and nothing wrong with that there's nothing me. wrong with it yeah. it's not for everybody no it's definitely not for me <laughs> <laughs> But aside from that, I've asked a little bit. I like I like scotch. I like whiskey. I like Macallan. I like Jameson, mm. Glenlivet. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, but if it's brown, it's better for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of I'm, course. I'm not yeah. a I'm not a tequila guy unless it's unless it's like Resposado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so. Yeah. That's just me. No, no. I'm a, I'm a. My passion was brown. Then I realized how much sugar was in brown. So I kind of like. Yeah. So I take a back. I take a back seat. Okay. That way. Like okay. every now and then I'll touch the brown. <clears throat> but for the most part, it's clear for me. Yeah. But um, if I had a choice, it would always be brown. The, Minus the Hennessy. The clear causes headaches. Yeah. Absolutely. Causes a Absolutely. hangovers. It does. It does. That's why I kind of stay away from yeah, it. Yeah, it does. But, you know, 
the brown has a lot of sugar. So if you drink the clear correctly, you'll be all right. Hey. Yeah, but it's just that it's all about the consumption. Yeah. Right? And, and your body. And, you know, some people can can tolerate it and keep going. Right. And yeah. some people just one little thing. Like for me, if I from like champagne, if I have a little bit too much champagne, that's it. For me. I got I got terrible stories drinking, drinking Moet. I see. <laughs> Something I don't, like I don't want to get into it. My uh, friends know, so I don't even have to mention it. Uh, when they man. see this, they'll understand what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. <laughs> but when I was younger, Start like you, I... you, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one particular night, but I digress. You want to share? Nah, nah. <laughs> Seems like you want to get a few nah, nah, bro. Nah, I, you just <laughs> can't forget it. <laughs> so... But when I was younger, I could drink like a like. Oh, remember, that's different. That's I remember different. when I was uh, I had a birthday party one time and I drank like a whole bottle of Hennessy for myself. Seriously, so I had a high tolerance when I was younger, but yeah. then I stopped drinking like that. Right, right. So I have a, my wife would tell you I have a, like a, a stocked liquor cabinet that yeah. I barely touch. It's yeah, like yeah. for show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I got a whole, I got a whole uh, shelf. It's nothing filled with um, different types of alcohol brands, and. For some reason, I only touch it when people come around, or if I go out. If I go outside, then I'll drink. But for some reason, I used to be able to drink by myself, like have a glass and just relax yeah. at home. Now, I just I can't do it anymore. Yeah, you would pass down the couch. Yeah, 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 yeah. The bounce back is not the same. No, that, yeah. no, it, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not the same, man. Like I'll be struggling. Yeah, uh, so I'm like, uh, that's I, life. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. We get, you know, the older you get, the more. The more you understand, your body said. Uh, the wiser you get. The wiser you get. I, I like that. The wiser you get. Yeah. And your body tells you too. Your body said, uh, you know, this was cool when we was in our twenties, <laughs> but nah, slow down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> your body Re- relax a little bit. Relax a little bit. Yeah. Like pause, pause. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. Nah, but let, let's let's uh, let's let's go back to um, yeah using, you know, life insurance as an asset. So, life insurance in general. It has about 40 plus benefits to it. So for for the moment of time, right? I'm not going to touch on every one of them. Right. But one of the major benefits of life insurance that people understand is cash value. Right? What's cash value? Cash value essentially is a separate account that your life insurance uses that they put part of your premium into that account that earns a guaranteed rate on it. Right, right. So companies can be different, right? You could have an index universal that averages maybe 11%. You could have a whole life dude like Guardian that averages like six, that gives you 6% interest plus dividends, right? You're like a, you're like a share of the company. It's, it's almost like a stock, right? Mm-hmm. You get dividends and interest to it. So boom. The problem that people have with life insurance cash value is you'll hear, just ask anybody. Oh, you have, you have life insurance? Yeah. What's your cash value? Oh, I've had it for a while, but I'm not really developing nothing. Because the average life insurance plan, the company is going to try to skew your dollars that go into the cash value as opposed to the paying of the death benefit or insurance costs. Mm-hmm. Skew it 90% in their favor. And the other mistake people make with life insurance is they try to spend as little as possible. So let's use round numbers. If you got $100 that you're paying for a premium, mm-hmm. $90 of it is going to pay for insurance costs. And only $10 is going to your life insurance cash value. So if I told, even if you made 15% on that money, $10 every single month is not going to become anything 
in the time frame that you need it to be covered. Right. So what I do when I create life insurance plans for people is I try to flip it. I try to get it as close to 90% in your favor to grow the money. Mm -hmm. But it can be costly because we all know whole, whole life insurance is costly. Yeah, very costly, especially but the older you get. <clears throat> what are you paying for, right? There's a, there's a limit of how much money you can put into cash value every single year. It's called, it's a modified endowment contract limit mm -hmm. or MEC or MEC limit, right? So I gave that because I'm going to use that. I'm not going to say the long, the longest. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you an acronym. So yeah. a MEC limit tells you how much additional money you can throw in besides your premium every year directly at cash value and earn 6% of that money plus dividends. Mm -hmm. So your MEC limit is going to determine your death benefit. And your death benefit is going to determine your premium. How you build the death benefit determines on how much of your premium goes directly in cash value. So again, let's use round numbers. So if you were spending $1,200 a month on life insurance and I flipped it, whereas let's call it, let's just use say 50, 50. Mm -hmm. So $600 every year goes directly into your cash value and 600 is your cost. But your MEC limit could be something, let's use again, round number. Let's say your MEC limit is $10,000. Mm -hmm. So you have an additional $8,800 you could throw directly into your cash value and utilize it, getting the 6% the dividend and, and interest, but you can access the money right away. So that's why we call it either infinite banking or building your own bank. So that money's getting thrown directly in cash value. Mm -hmm. It's a separate account that you can access at any point that you want to access it. So let's say you had a savings at the bank and you got $10,000 in there, let's earn you 0.003%. Mm -hmm. So you're not making, you're making pennies on that money. Like if I told you my savings account number and how much interest I make on it, like you would never want to be at a bank. <laughs> That's how ridiculous it is. Yeah. It's like, how, how do I have so much money there and I don't make any? Like I, like I, I have a large savings mm -hmm. and then I, and get this, I don't pay tax on the interest that I make because I make less than $10. Holy crap. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I could take $8,800 of that and throw it into my cash value, earn 6% of it, let that money grow. Mm -hmm. And then later on, when I want to buy a house, when I want to pay off my car loan, when I want to pay off my credit card debt, when I want to pay for my child's school, that money's just going to develop and develop. And develop. imagine if I did that every year, how much of a savings nest egg I could have. Because one of the people's main complaints about saving is that they don't make any money on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So then they don't save. They don't save, yeah. When I first got into banking in 2006, the average savings rate for people mm -hmm. in America mm -hmm. was negative $500. That means the average person in America was in debt by at least $500. Yeah. So nobody was saving. Today, people are saving at a better clip, but still, it's so poor mm -hmm. that nobody ever feels like they're in a good position, mon monetary-wise. Mon yeah. So aside from... The cash I asked is the one that people love the most. Do you understand that you could use your death benefit while you're alive? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So let's say you got sick, right? So let's use actual numbers, right? So on average, a black man in America is expected to live till 85 years old, right? You're probably four times more likely to get a chronic disease than you are to die. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So on average, 
a chronic disease, ALS, heart attack, mm -hmm. cancer, renal failure, right? A stroke. Mm -hmm. Oh, a stroke. <clears throat> Four times more likely to have one of those things happen. On average, those those um, situations are going to last you on average seven years. And by insurance costs, health insurance costs and medical costs, on average is going to cost you out of pocket $50,000. 50K. How many people have $350,000 lying around to pay for their care? Not many. Okay. If you had a life insurance contract, and not every company does this. This is why, again, working with somebody who knows things, right? Mm -hmm. Companies will give you the ability to access your death benefit to pay for your care if you got one of these situations. So when I say average seven years, some people, it may last them 15 years. Right, right. Some people may last them one year. <clears throat> right, right. Right? But you still need to have 50000 on minimum to infinite amount of money, right? right? So they'll tell you, all right, if you get one of these things, they go with your doctor, you can access this option or this rider inside of the contract that you can draw that money that you need for your care from the death benefit. Now people go, oh, well, you know, what does that mean for if I pass away? Well, if you drew that money, then your family gets $50,000 less if we're using round number. Mm -hmm. Oh, but, uh, you know, is that better for my family? I'll ask you, what's better for your family? That you use the 50000 from the death benefit that you were going to leave them or that you died? Right? Mm, yeah. Like, pay for your care to still be here. Yeah. And then, like, buy more insurance later. Right. Don't, like, one major impact I see with people, especially people of color and people from the Caribbean, they live the worst life so they can leave their family whatever minuscule dollars that they had, which is retarded to me. Right. Like, you have to live your life. You have right. to make sure. Because the longer you live your life, the longer you're going to be around. The more opportunity you have the more to, opportunity correct, you have certain to correct certain things mm -hmm. or even purchase more insurance purchase or save more, more money. Save more money. If you run yourself into the ground, but you got $350,000 lying in the bank. And I and I saw this mm -hmm. from older people. They had like three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 sitting in the bank. And they're living in a hovel or they're not going to get the care or they get a situation like cancer or whatever, and they don't want to go to the hospital. They don't want to pay for the, the chemotherapy and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Because they're saying to themselves like, oh, if I use that money, then what am I going to leave my family? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your family would rather have you than true. the dollars. Right, true. So if you have a situation where you retired and you had a pension that pays you $50,000 a year, but you also had a 401k that you had, you know, over half a million dollars in, but you also saved over time. And this is like probably like best case scenario, but you also had money saved over time. You have two for the saving in the bank. Right. Why would you want to touch any of that money? Your 401k money, number one, you're going to have to pay tax on that money. Yeah. And, and, you know, nobody wants to do that. Yeah. That's why most 401k money stays in a 401k. Mm -hmm. no, nobody ever touches it. Yeah. You don't want to take the money out the bank because the bank's going to tell you you're no longer a private client. That's important to people for some reason, mm -hmm. even though they don't do nothing for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I can tell you from experience, because I'm a private client at Chase, they do nothing for me. Right. Like the customer service has become so terrible yeah. that I'm confused on why I even have my money there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You ever consider mobile banking, but go ahead. Yeah. But so for stuff, stuff that I need to do, I unfortunately still need to have a physical bank. <laughs> well, go ahead. But if you could leave that money alone, not worry about taxes, penalties, all this other stuff, and you had a death benefit. Well, the death benefit is a number that, yeah, you can leave your family, but think about all the other assets you accumulate over time. When people go, how much money do I need to have in life insurance? I go, what's your assets? 
because I don't need you to pay for $500,000, a million dollars life insurance. Right. You got a house that's paid off. You got savings. You got a 401k. You have retirement. You have a pension right. that, your, that your spouse can get. That's money. That's a death benefit. Right. So why not use the life insurance aspect to cover you for everything else? Build up your money that you can use in case you need to go borrow money. Nobody wants to borrow money. Why? It becomes a hassle. What's your credit score? Let me see your taxes. Let me see statements. Right. Oh, where'd you get this deposit from? Like, why are you asking these questions? Like, <laughs> I need to borrow money. Like, what's the problem? Right? So build your own bank there. And then if you get sick, which is more likely than you passing away. Correct. Why not use that money to pay for your care and then still have all the other assets to leave your family? And that's the financial literacy that I push forward to understand what life insurance is, but also doing these other things where you can have assets to leave your family. Because the average life insurance agent who's just trying to make a commission off of you will tell you, oh, you're this old and you have this much as a salary? Oh, then you need you need $1.5 million in life insurance. But then the cost is so astronomical that you go, oh, I can't do it, right? And plus, you're not creating any cash value with it okay. because most of those policies, you don't even start creating cash value until five years later into the policy. And then they'll tell you, oh, okay, cool. So you can't afford it in a whole life. Then you buy it for you in a term. Term, yeah. Oh, but I'm 25. Let yeah. me buy your 30-year term. term. Okay, I'm not trying to die before 55. So now 55 rolls around, right. and the insurance company is going to tell you, oh, we can keep this policy going on a year-by-year -year basis. So you were paying $50, but now this next year you're going to be paying $100 a month. On the year after that, $200. year after that, $400. year after that, $800. That's how they make the money. Then you go, oh, I can't afford this no more. So now you don't have insurance. So now when you die, you have nothing. nothing. You haven't created any cash value. You haven't left your family anything. And you really haven't done what you're supposed to do if you buy term. You're supposed to invest the difference. So if they told you your whole life is going to cost you $300 a month, but I'm going to give you this term that's $50 a month, you should be investing the other $250 every single month because you can build yeah. money enough that you can supplant the life insurance by the time 30 years from now. If I told you to invest $250 a month every month for 30 years, you would have well over probably five, half a million dollars. Mm. Yeah, I'd rather take that route. So you'd rather take that route. So you have to understand what it is. You have, to understand, you have to understand who's selling you it, why they're selling it to you, but what's the benefits and how I need to use it for me. Yeah. No, that's that's important information. Uh, I'm glad you're sharing this with us. Yeah. Yeah. Because now, and then and I said it, this before, last time we touched on this, is that um, a lot of this information is not out there. And, and it's important that we learn that there's, different ways of making wealth mm -hmm. and there's different ways of saving and that way you could benefit not only just yourself but your also your family right mm -hmm. because right now we we all want to leave a legacy and the most important way to leave a legacy is really having generational wealth yep so that way your family can build off of and that's how your legacy grows mm -hmm. because they say okay this person was a founding father of what we have right now mm -hmm. and it could start with you and the only thing it takes is having this kind of type of information and conversations yep so that way we can be informed and make better decisions when it comes yeah. to our money sort of so this is why i tell people about generational wealth in your lifetime you're not going to see it and you have to be okay with that yeah 
Yeah, one thousand percent. Generational wealth is what's gonna happen for my grandchildren, my great grandchildren, right? Look at some of the major names in in um, in America, right? Hilton, Trump, Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan. At some point, that one that person's legacy started when they first came over here on the Mayflower. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they were benefiting a situation where they were treated differently than other people, better than other people. So they were able to build that legacy. We didn't have the opportunity for 400 years, right? Mm -hmm. Now you have the opportunity. Are there still people that are looking at you that want you to fail? Yeah. Can they really stop you right now? Not really. If you really think about it. Too much information. Yeah. This 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 idea of the man is trying to stop me. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's dumb. Yeah. Like, st like yeah, get, stop get that out of your head, right? Yeah. Like, the only thing that's stopping you is you. Yeah. Yeah, so, especially in this day and age with all this information, all this um, access. Yeah, yeah. So you have the access to all these things. Like mm -hmm. I have access to it. Mm -hmm. So and I didn't do anything special. Right. I didn't come from I didn't come from anything like my yeah. family never spoke to you about money. Mm -hmm. So I know that. I'm going to try to achieve being wealthy. I'm going to try it. Right. But if I don't do it, I'm not going to look at myself and go, oh, man, I couldn't do it. I messed up. No, but you sit in the bar. <clears throat> For me, it's like if you could leave your son or your daughter 50 grand and that's all you could have accomplished at that time, that's better than what your parents left you. Like they left you nothing, right? <laughs> like like when you became 18, they didn't hand you a check to yeah. say, okay, here, go buy your first house or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. If you can do that by the time your child's 18, that's amazing. If yeah, you can't yeah. do it, and by the time you die, you lived in 50 or you had a life insurance of 100, 200,000 mm dollars, -hmm. cool. Yeah, it's a starting point. It's a starting point. What you have to understand also is in your lifetime, you have to teach them, right? Don't sit there and say, well, they'll get the information the way I got it. No, 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 no. Talk, talk to them. Daily. Tell them. Even if it's something that you don't even understand that you can do yourself. I can't afford life insurance the way that I want to do it. But I'm telling my son, this is how life insurance can be used. That's a benefit. That's an asset that you're leaving him. Mm -hmm. So that now when you leave him the $50,000, $100,000, he doesn't go, let me go buy some gold chains. Let me just go buy a car. Let me go rent a high rise downtown Brooklyn mm -hmm. because I have the money mm -hmm. because $50,000 to a child with no literacy and no understanding money. They think that is infinite. Yeah. They think it's a lot of money right. and it's not No, like that'll be going in a year or less. And less. Right. Less, yeah. But if you told them, take the 50,000, go invest it in a property, go to Chicago, go to Texas and buy a unit, buy a building with a few units. Now you've got residual income coming in. Yeah. That's the stuff that yeah. you need to talk to them about. Yeah. The same thing that you want to do now yeah. that you may not even accomplish. Mm -hmm. You may be too prideful or shameful because you didn't accomplish it to tell your children this is what you can do. Yeah, yeah. It's important. Like remove the pride. Like uh -huh. take like take it out. Like your kids are gonna love you unconditionally. Yeah. If you don't teach them nothing, you did them a disservice. And all that's gonna happen is, and this happened to me, in their formative years, they're gonna be angry with you. Because you didn't tell them nothing. Mm -hmm. But I learned later on in life that I can't be upset at my parents. Mm -hmm. Because my parents, that generation, didn't have the information or any access to it. Now, Your children will have the right to be mad at you. Yeah, yeah. Right? 100%. Because you no. have the access. And the information. And the information. And you, yeah. just, and you, and you don't want to share it with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also understand, like, with my parents, uh, my mother's is, it was... Uh, keen instinct when it comes to investing mm -hmm. in property she knew the value of buying that's property. amazing yeah she knew that keen instinct 
um, sharing the information. She didn't know how to articulate it. You know, she just knew how to do it. She's like, it's innate. You know, she said, oh, let me get, we got to get this. We got to get that. But the conversation wasn't, you know, you see it. Yeah. But the conversation wasn't held at the table. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is how much we put down. This is um, the interest rate. This is, you know, the pro this is the cash flow. This is, you know, things like that, I think is very valuable. Yeah. Even if they see it, but don't understand it. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. Help. Yeah. No, I, I don't agree. Okay. Tell seeing it. Yeah. Is a conversation in itself. Well, There's a lot of things it, that you see your parents do. Yes. And then yes. as you get older, you regular you realize that's why they were doing yes, it. Yes. Yeah. And it don't take you long. It's not like you you gotta wait till you're 45 to realize, oh, that's what they were well, doing. Seeing it, you're right. You're right. But seeing it is more of I know it could be a done. I, I could I've seen it done. I can't accomplish this. And seeing it also gives you um to know, okay, I know they were able to do it. Let me go back and ask how were you able to do it that too yeah but i think that if that conversation was held at the table more sure yeah but that's best that's, case scenario well that's the case that we should be looking at yeah we should we should this generation be, yeah, now should yeah. be looking at that this that's what we should be looking at but you so, can't but you can't hold no, animosity no no, so, no there's no animosity at so all like it's for more, me like my mom is not financial savvy at all yeah she's a great saver though yeah, yeah. The one thing that I always credit my mom for in my financial journey, whether she meant to do it or she didn't mean to do it, it was when I turned 14, she got me working papers, she got me my first job. Mm -hmm. And the first thing when I got my first paycheck is she took me to the bank and made me set up direct deposit. Right. That was the starting point of my financial journey. Yeah. She never had a conversation with me about how much you should be saving, why you should save, what your money can be later on. She didn't mm -hmm. understand any of that. She knew whatever you can do saving. is save and save. Yeah. My dad on the other end. Yeah. Again, I'm Haitian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haitian dads don't talk to their children. No, nah, no. Nah. At least the the old generation, because I try to talk to my son, but he don't want to talk to me. <laughs> so it's different. It's weird. But my dad was always investing. My dad yeah. used to work at banks. He has a degree from NYU. Mm -hmm. He was an accountant for the board of education for like 40-something years. So he had some financial literacy. Right. Maybe not the most. He doesn't. But they didn't he, explain it. He didn't have what I have now, but he had some form of financial literacy. And whatever that form was, you should have gave it. To this day, I'm 41. Me and my father never had a conversation about money. My dad has been investing my entire life. Yeah. He's had life insurance my entire life. He's been saving my entire life. He's never had a conversation with me. Mm -hmm. To the point now where I'm my dad's financial advisor. I manage his finances. And we still don't have a conversation about finances. Yeah. Well, it's, it's that so male. It's that that's the, male so that was that situation. Ego back then. So I tell that to show people like I didn't come from that. Right, right? right. So right. the same thing that you dealt with with your parents, I dealt with with mine. But I'm in the same boat as you saying now, we can't carry that. No, no, no. We but have to. We so can't I talk to my that, dad. We, we can't. The thing that you said earlier is that, you know, you, you can't fault nobody. It's Correct. nobody's fault because Correct. they were never taught that way. Correct. Right. And so, nobody was banging in the door saying, oh, this is how you get wealthy. No, no, no. <laughs> nobody was saying that. And they just knew some people just knew by principle. Maybe they had some education or maybe they somebody shared that information along the way. Sure. But they, they grew up knowing, OK, I can't articulate it a certain way. I can't express it. But oh, maybe we didn't seek that information to for them to say, hey, oh, you you interested? Right. Let me show you. Right. right. So there's no there's no animosity or anything like that. It's more so like 
you understand that, okay, they didn't have uh, the way to articulate it and format it in a certain way to, for it to be explained. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can take some of that, whether through seeing, right? Mm -hmm. But I think at this stage right now, it should be conversations that you have at the table from an early age. They don't have to, as a young kid, you don't have to have force them to accept it. No. But it should be something where, oh, okay, if I get older, at least that information it was embedded in me. Yeah. So I can have a better understanding. Yeah. Now, if so, I choose to go that route, yeah. then that's on me. But at least I understand it to make better yeah. informed decisions. So for me, what I learned with children is they watch more than they listen. True. Like they will imitate you. But like, it, you like got to repeat it enough. But that's what I'm saying. So my son imitates me. Yeah. Right. He does a lot of things that I do. He has a lot of my same mannerisms. Right. But he doesn't listen to the things that I tell him to. And I understand that because he's 14. Mm-hmm. At some point, things are going to click to him in his mind. Right. So I just have to keep putting nuggets in there for it to click later. 1,000. Right? Yeah. So that being said, I agree with you. If you don't have the ability to articulate it, you may go, oh, life insurance is a great thing. And that's all you know. You can't really explain cash value. You can't explain death benefit, um, you know, uh, income producing right, life right, insurance. Right, right. You know, you can't explain that stuff. <laughs> One thing that I do is I have seminars with families. Mm-hmm. Like I'll come to your house and I'll talk to you and your children and I'll explain it to them in a way that they can understand it. And with, if I come in there, then they listen to me. If you tell them, they just watch you. So what they'll watch now is that you brought somebody in to tell them about something and they'll hold on to the information and they will, I like and then they'll remember that. Yeah. Right. So, why I say is that you don't have no excuses now. Even if you can't articulate it, you can bring somebody who can who can articulate okay. it. And that's what you need to do. And I will say this, right? If you're working with a financial advisor who's not willing to do that for you, they say, oh, that's not something that I do. You need a new financial advisor. We are in a scape right now where you can demand certain things of the people that you pay. I tell all my clients, I work for you. Like you pay me, right? So I work for you. I'm your employee. Mm-hmm. So you need to utilize me, right? Some of my clients talk to me daily. Some clients of mine speak to me once a year. That's a choice that they're making, right? I reach out to them, but they're going to speak to me at the level that they want to speak to, right, speak right, to me. Right. But I, you have the ability to utilize me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I heard about this stock. Shoot me a text, a DM, an email. I'm going to answer you. Oh, somebody was telling me about Bitcoin. What do you think about it? Somebody was telling me about Tesla. I'm thinking about buying a house. I'm thinking about doing this life insurance. Like run it by this person. Mm-hmm. If you can't do that, you got to get rid of that person. That person is just feeding off of you. Right. Right. Most times you're going to go to a bank and you'll be like, oh, they have a financial advisor there. That's why I bank. That person don't care about you. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. be real with you. Right. I'm not going to name any particular bank, but I worked at several banks. While you're working in that position, you don't care about the person. Why? Because... You have a commission to make, and sometimes you have what they call a draw, which is money that you owe the bank. Right, right. So the only way to make that money is I got to get as many people in the door and put them in some product, whether it's right for them or not, right. that they can pay every month for, that I that I now make a commission off of, that I can now give to the bank, or I can make money for myself. And you have to understand that. Every financial advisor you have, you're going to pay them. 
what are you paying them and what they actually doing for you is what's most important. So for me, when, when I do with my clients, I tell them all the time. I tell them exactly what the fee is up front, um, what, what you're going to be charged for my advisory services, what you get from my advisory services. And I tell you, if you want to speak to me every day, like that's within your right with the money that you're paying me to speak to me every single day. But you have to be the one to want to do it. So that's why this generation, I tell people all the time, this generation who has the ability to know, to have the, the information of everything that's out there, mm-hmm. you have the ability to get as much information and utilize it as much as you want. If the generational curses don't end or start to end with this, this generation now, it's never going to end because you're never going to be at a point better than now. Yeah. Because right now you have access to all information. Yeah. Is there another point where you're going to have access to all information? You're always going to have access to all information now. Yeah. You're always going to have access to all information now. Between advisors, Google, TikTok, YouTube. Instagram, YouTube. You you want to learn something? You can go and learn it. Yeah. You can go to school for it. Yeah. There's programs online where you can learn. You can say to yourself, I, you know, I want to learn how to be a financial advisor. I might not even go out there to, to get clients. But I just want to take the course, understand the financial knowledge that they have, and keep it for myself. Yeah. And use that with my family. Mm-hmm. You can do that. No one's going to say, oh, do you want to have clients? Right, right, right. They're not going to stop you from doing it. So the access to information now is at 100%. So that means that it's always going to be at 100%, unless they try to take it away from you again, unless they find a way to take it away from you again. But they can't really do that. So it being that, if it doesn't start to change now, it's never going to change. Yeah, I agree with that. Hundred percent, my bo- listen. This been great, brother. <laughs> but at some point, we got to end. <laughs> apparently, you could, tell, you could tell I'm passionate about this. So I could yeah, talk about nah, this for the rest nah, of my life. Talk, apparently, we could talk about this because one of the things I, I like, my boy Shane, he's a uh, he's a stick though for cash flow. His he's addicted to cash flow. Yeah, like, everything is cash flow, cash flow. And um, I remember sometime um, we talking about a deal. And when I got in real estate, I didn't really understand like the cap rate and all that. I just knew it. I just knew what was a good investment because I knew like um, what I can, but that that's passed down because my mother was in, she invested in properties and <laughs> right. things like that. So you you there's certain things that's passed down. You see, you understand, and you know how to make. But now I understand and like the cap rate and all that stuff. Yeah. So and you get more informed and you you look at cash flow and it's completely different, right? You're like, okay, I you know you need streams of income, you need some residuals, you need some cash flow to come in. You got to get you know, your dollar bringing in a lot of, you know, return on investments. But the thing is, it's, it's always a plus to have somebody that specializes in financial literacy or, and knows how to structure certain things for you because it makes the path a lot easier. Even Vanessa, Vanessa has like uh, her family, you know, she has um, advisors too, mm-hmm. right, where they break down uh, you know, their spending habits. So they don't overspend. One thing that Vanessa shared with me, this was powerful. She said, it's not that, you know, some of the other races are ahead of us. They just make it look good. Mm. They just make it look good. They in, they in the same kind of situations too. And when, when you start accumulating wealth, you start to realize that they just, you probably, you know, inch, inch ahead of you because you, we probably mismanage our money Correct. somewhere down, you know. Correct. That that kind of causes a curveball, but they're not that far ahead like we think 
Mm-hmm. The perception is, yes, you have those billionaires and millionaires, but on average living, she's like, they're not that far ahead. It's just they make it look good. By the average person, no. Yeah, no. But those billionaires, they're they're another set. They're, they're I always tell people set. don't don't count Jeff Bezos's pockets. No, like you, uh, well, you, he's he's different. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's on a different shadow. He's different. But an average black, white, Indian, Asian person, yeah. average, yeah, you're in the same boat. And honestly, uh, the only color that matters in this country is green. That's the only thing. That's the, and we had a discussion about that. And I said, I don't, you know, for me, and it's nothing personal, but I'm not a, this advocate of. Uh, this person versus that person. Right. I'm an advocate of what's good and what's not good. Correct. There's only good and evil to me. Correct. You got some good people on that side and you got some mess up people <laughs> on this side. So it's like, there's no, to me, I'm not an advocate of um, one versus the other. I'm more of an advocate of um, there's some good people out there, yeah. solid people. Yeah. And then there's some rotten people, some scumbags. Yeah. And you just have to it, figure out which is just, which. That's it. And then yeah. just navigate the waters and try to, be on the side with the good ones, you know. Yeah. Every now and then, you're gonna come across a scumbag, <laughs> and you learn from it, and yeah. then you 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 just move on. Uh, but it boils down to money because if you can't finance yourself, right, um, how are you gonna finance your family? And if you can't finance your family, how are you gonna finance your generation, right? And it and it trickles down to that. So you can argue all you want. From this spectrum of uh, they versus them, yeah, but it boils down to can you financially take care of yourself? And I think I think all that is excuses. It is. It's a it's it a is, way to, it's it a is. way to end up blaming somebody else. It's pointing for, fingers for you not doing what you're supposed to do to be better. Yeah. Now there's some people that actually went through a lot of the issues, right? Sure. But I think in this day and age, you know, it's like okay. Like you said, all the information is out there. Like you said, um, you have access to so many things. So it's like, you know, what's the excuses? Yeah. Because there are no excuses. Mm -hmm. So now it becomes more of, are you putting yourself out there to position yourself to get ahead and then protect your family, you know, protect what you you built, you know? And then the thing is like, in this this country is about, protecting your land and your family. Yeah. Right? And your land is what you built, mm-hmm. right? So if you built this foundation or you built this uh, generational wealth, you have to find ways to protect your land, your family and your land. But if you're too busy arguing and <laughs> bickering over stuff, and for some people is rightly so, right? I look at things like this. is If it's important to you, then go ahead, fight for it. Right. But that may not be important for me. Correct. I may look at things this way, right? And this is more important for me. To each his own. To each his own, right? And if you like it, I love it. So yeah. it is what it is. Right? <laughs> but I'm in this direction right Right, here, right? right. But if you're okay, hey, man, more power to yeah. you. Yeah. But, um, but I'm, I'm glad that, you know, like I said, you're very passionate about it. You uh, bring a lot of information. Um, it's a good, source, a good resource to have. And, you know, please reach out to when you get a chance, reach out to Robert. Uh, all the information is going to be below in the link. Um, that way you can tap in if you have any additional questions. Maybe he can answer. I'm going to shoot it now. So yeah. <laughs> Robert Fortune, email is rfortune at fortuneadvisoryllc.com. Um, you catch me on Instagram, fortune underscore advisory. 
Um, you catch my personal. I post stuff on there as well. New Money Fortune. Uh, but just like Stanley said, he's going he's gonna to link it. Please tap in. Like, reach out to me. Like, consultations are free. I just want, honestly, what I'm trying to do with this platform is give everybody the ability to put themselves in a better position for, like you said, for their family. Mm-hmm. So if you have a financial advisor already, you need to ask that dude or that or that lady, what are they doing for you? And actually have a real conversation about what your goals are. And if they're not doing that, you need to find someone like myself because goal setting is one of the most important things. And honestly, each advisor isn't like the number one source of all information. Just like you going to go out there and shop your, your car insurance mm-hmm. or your homeowner's insurance because you want to find a better rate. You need to shop your advisor and put them on notice that they can they, 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 they can lose you if they're not doing what they're supposed to do for you. I have a very, very, very low attrition rate for my clients. Like I have clients that I've been working with for over 10 years. Um, every one of my clients becomes like my family. Yeah. I treat your money like I treat my own money. So that's one thing that you never have to worry about. So to me, financial literacy is the key to financial freedom. And I'll just leave it at that. Absolutely. Let's end it with that. My name's Stan Lane. Have a good night. Don't forget, it starts now.